Aging Matters is brought to you in part by Kathy Corridan, Senior Real Estate Specialist. Kathy is a realtor with KW Metro Center in Alexandria and works with seniors in Alexandria, Arlington, and D.C. to make selling their home and moving less stressful and more successful. More information is available at 703-971-7237 or ccatkw at gmail.com. Good afternoon and welcome to Aging Matters on Arlington Independent Media's community radio station, WERALP Arlington, 96.7 FM. I'm Cheryl Beversdorf, your host. Older adults are at increased risk for many vaccine-preventable diseases. Public health experts advise the best way to prevent these conditions is to get the appropriate vaccines. Today, Aging Matters features two interviews about vaccinations needed to protect older adults. My first guest is Dr. Norman Oliver, Health Commissioner of the Commonwealth of Virginia. Dr. Oliver will talk about the new statewide vaccine pre-registration system launched by the state to provide a unified comprehensive process to pre-register for the COVID-19 vaccine. Later in the program, I will talk with Dr. Yabo Baisalo, former medical officer with the Immunization Services Division at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. She is also a current subject matter expert on vaccinations. Dr. Baisalo will discuss other vaccines older adults need to avoid health complications and stay healthy as they age. So, starting off the first interview, welcome Dr. Oliver and thank you for joining me today. Happy to be here. Okay. Well, let's just get started right away. First of all, maybe you could just give us a, you know, a 15 to 30 second sketch of how long you've been the state health official in Virginia. Oh, thank you. Um, so I was appointed by Governor Northam as state health commissioner back in uh, May of uh, 2018. Um, and um, before that, I had been Deputy Commissioner for Population Health for about eight months. And prior to that, I was Chair of Family Medicine at um, the University of Virginia School of Medicine. All right. Well, then, obviously, you were certainly prepared to take over this very, very, very important uh, position right now. So talk about the statewide vaccine pre-registration system and what were the circumstances? Certainly we know something about it, but help us understand exactly why this system was established. Well, we have 35 health districts and 129 local health departments throughout the uh, Commonwealth. And those 35 health districts were uh, having their own uh, registration for uh, getting people uh, registered for the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. Um, and some of those systems were uh, better than others. Uh, and uh, we had a lot of variability around the state. Uh, and we felt that having a centralized uh, pre-registration that was an online system would provide better service to the residents of, um, 
of the Commonwealth. Uh, so it expands upon the existing uh, VDH um, COVID response capabilities. Uh, and this uh, Virginia COVID uh, uh, Information Center uh, has about 700 plus people who are uh, there to answer uh, questions and assist callers who need help in uh, pre-registering. So it's a very important uh, tool. Um, the pre-registration tool also exists online and can be accessed uh, there. But uh, having the call center means that people who don't have internet access or who just feel more co comfortable talking to a live human being um, can uh, access it that way. So you can access it uh, online, as I said, or by phone seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, at uh, 1877-VAX, that's V-A-X in Virginia. That's 187-VAX in Virginia, or it's 877-829-4682. So the other part I wanted to, in, in terms of this system, will how will it change how the, the vaccine is disseminated throughout Virginia? I'm thinking uh, I got my vaccines and Virginia Hospital Center in Arlington was still running it. Is there going to be a new personnel, uh, people from maybe uh, county health departments uh, uh, giving the injections? Or how will that part work, the actual operation? Right, right. In the initial phase of uh, the vaccination campaign that began mid-December, mid um, the first phase 1A was focused on healthcare professionals and residents and staff of long-term care facilities. And the healthcare systems were the primary people who were conducting um, that vaccination campaign of uh, with their own employees. And uh, affiliated uh, pract community practices um, and uh, CVS and <clears throat> Walgreens were uh, vaccinating the long-term care facility staff and, and residents. We've moved into a different phase, phase 1B, which includes frontline essential workers like law enforcement, teachers, uh, as well as people over the age of 60 or 65 plus uh, and adults, any adults with chronic medical conditions that put them at higher risk for having serious uh, disease uh, from COVID-19. Um, the local health departments uh, receive an allocation every week of uh, vaccine, uh, vaccine doses. Uh, they uh, have these points of dispensing within their uh, jurisdictions and, and that's where they're uh, vaccinating thousands and thousands every day. Um, we are joined by some health systems that are also helping in this uh, regard and also conducting community vaccination sites. Um, CVS and Walgreens, well CVS rather has uh, a uh, agreement with the federal government to vaccinate about 26,000 people each week. And starting this week, there's a number of independent pharmacies that will begin uh, vaccinating uh, people as well. So it's, it's a lot of different providers who are um, providing this service right now. Okay, well then let's talk about the older adults and maybe not so older adults, but in those categories that you mentioned, if they've previously signed up to be vaccinated through their local health 
district, are, are they going to be added to the new statewide system? And as part of that question, then where do they fall? Will they go to the end of the line or what happens? Oh, that's a good question. So we took all of the registered um, or registrants, I guess I should say, who were, had already registered with local health departments. Uh, and we uh, took their names and put them into the centralized uh, system. And people who, and we put them in in the order in which they had registered. So if you registered, you know, a month ago, um, your name would be ahead of somebody who uh, just registered uh, today. Um, and then uh, individuals may be contacted and asked to confirm or update their pre-registration record within the new system. The uh, Virginia uh, COVID uh, Information Center has the ability to reach out to people and may send you a text or email um, regarding um, the need to update that information. Uh, the pre-registration site online, if you go to vaccinate Virginia, uh, .gov. So it's vaccinate.virginia, spelled out, .gov. Um, you'll um, find a uh, button on there that you can uh, check the list and, and see whether your name is on, on the list. Um, so um, in the coming weeks, we will be uh, augmenting the functionality of uh, the uh, call center as new technology comes on board for scheduling. And when that happens, uh, we'll be reaching out to people on the uh, uh, pre-registration list to uh, let them know that they can now uh, schedule an appointment. And we'll do that in the order in which uh, the registrants uh, had actually registered. And I just wanted to clarify, so because you mentioned a little bit earlier, because obviously there's a fair number, well, at, at least a number of people who don't have a computer. So if they haven't registered, then there will be people locally who will be calling these folks, or how will that work? If they haven't registered, we're encouraging them to register, that you can go to Virginia, Virginia uh, I mean, vaccinate.virginia.gov. If you don't have uh, internet access, you can call 877-VAX-IN-VIRGINIA. Uh, and um, yeah, someone can help you pre-register that way. So that's how we're reaching out to people. We'll be uh, doing a big media campaign to let folks know that this is a way they can register um, uh, to get a vaccine. Okay, and then... If they then get scheduled, um, again, because you've got so many jurisdictions throughout Virginia, will they also learn where they need to go to get vaccinated? I know in Arlington, we have two different sites, but right, right. throughout the, the state, how, how will that work, Dr. Oliver? Yes. So when, when scheduled, you'll be told not just a time and date for your uh, vaccination, but the location of your vaccination as well. All right. Well, right now, of course, everybody ha that's been coming to get their vaccination is getting either the Pfizer or the Moderna. Is that two-dose vaccine regimen going to continue to occur? And what do you also see, because we've heard a lot about the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine. So help us understand about what kind of vaccine people are getting. 
Yeah, so the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines will uh, continue to be uh, distributed and we will continue to administer those vaccines. The um, supply of both of them should uh, increase in the next weeks and months. Uh, Johnson & Johnson is going to have a review by the uh, FDA's advisory committee on uh, this Friday, February uh, 26th. Uh, if uh, things go the way it went for Pfizer and Moderna, it, uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine could get approved over the weekend and we could receive our first doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine next week. Uh, we intend to uh, utilize that vaccine to reach uh, more people. I, I think it's really important for folks to know that the Johnson & Johnson uh, vaccine is uh, very effective at preventing serious illness, which is the uh, thing you want to prevent. Uh, coronaviruses are the, among the viruses that give us common colds. Um, and uh, this novel coronavirus, when you have mild symptoms, that's basically what you get is a uh, bad cold. Uh, we, if we can uh, prevent you from getting seriously ill, uh, hospitalized, or uh, perhaps uh, even dying, that is clearly um, something we want to shoot for. And the Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine uh, ha has been shown to be um, very effective uh, at preventing uh, that kind of outcome. Um, and on top of that, it's a single dose, uh, which is another uh, advantage. Uh, for that vaccine. So we're looking forward to uh, having that as part of our toolbox. And it is important to understand that if your first dose is, is Pfizer, the second dose will also be uh, Pfizer. It's not a mix and match uh, that, kind of that's situation. That's very true. That's very true. The, the uh, Pfizer vaccine, Moderna vaccine, um, both uh, are... Uh, two-dose vaccines, and but they're not interchangeable. So if you get a Pfizer vaccine for your first dose, you have to have the Pfizer vaccine for your second dose, and likewise with Moderna. And I know that there's so much in the news about the variants, and as long as we're on the topic of these vaccines and its effectiveness, what can you tell us, Dr. Oliver, about the variants, and should we be worried? The um, variant that's probably going to be um, the, the biggest uh, concern here in the Commonwealth is uh, the so-called UK uh, variant, uh, B117. Uh, that variant, both the uh, it, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines appear to be effective against. Uh, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine also uh, uh, is effective against that uh, variant. So the issue we have with the variant isn't so much that the vaccines won't work against them, um, but uh, because the uh, UK variant is much more infectious than um, the variant we've been dealing with, uh, it, we're in a race. We need to get as many people vaccinated as possible before uh, that variant really uh, becomes too widespread because they will get more people sick. It's kind of scary. It seems like just about the time you get something uh, taken care of in terms of finding vaccines, yet there's something else that comes up. It's like it never ends. 
Yes, yes. I wanted to just verify, you talked now about the local health departments where more vaccine doses are going to be given. You mentioned about pharmacies. Will uh, people be able to also get uh, the vaccine from their health care provider? Is that going to be part of this new system? Eventually, that will uh, be the case. Uh, right now, we have um, this situation where we have a fairly scarce supply of uh, vaccine. We get about 150 or so thousand uh, doses of the vaccine each uh, week. Uh, and there's millions of people who uh, currently are eligible to uh, receive uh, the vaccine. Uh, when doses are more plentiful, we, we hope to have uh, community-based uh, pr uh, primary care providers uh, uh, in, the, uh, in their clinics being able to provide it. Uh, as I mentioned, CVS and Walgreens are already providing it. There's a number of independent pharmacies that, uh, and other chains that will be getting a vaccine from the federal government starting uh, this week. Uh, so uh, as supply increases, we hope to have uh, more and more providers out there uh, giving um, these vac vaccinations. So it's important for people to go out and register now um, to get your name on that list uh, so that as supplies uh, become more available, we can uh, get that uh, vaccine in, into your arms. So uh, I, again, I just want to stress 877-VAX, V-A-X in Virginia. Uh, that's 877-829-4682. Uh, is the number to call and uh, get yourself uh, pre-registered. And thank you for continuing to to uh, repeat that number. It's so important. Couple more questions and uh I, I just wanted a little bit of a clarification in this Group 1B. It, I, I'm reading about people age 16 to 64 with certain conditions or disabilities. Can, can you explain what that means? And then more importantly, or, or as importantly, who's going to make that determination that these folks in that age uh, range will be eligible based on, on that particular criteria? Um, so the CDC makes the determination that based on um, you know the uh, their review of uh, the trials of the vaccines and also uh, what we know about uh, how underlying conditions have um, made people more um, <clears throat> at, at higher risk for serious uh, illness or death uh, when. Um, ill with COVID-19. Uh, the uh, conditions are a wide list and, and it's not an exhaustive list. If you were to go to our website at um, uh, vdh.virginia.gov, um, you, you can uh, click on the COVID-19 vaccine button there and it'll take you to a page where you'll see where uh, who fits in all these phases. Um, and there's some uh, things that get listed there, cancer, chronic kidney disease, uh, Down syndrome, there's other uh, disabilities um, that um, could uh, put you at higher risk. Um, it's a long list of uh, things, um, but the, the basic idea here is that uh, some chronic uh, medical conditions are such that 
if you get a serious respiratory illness like uh, COVID-19, your, your body has far less reserves for uh, battling that illness and it, you're more likely to have um, hospitalization, serious illness, or even death. Okay, so people just need to go and check that website to see yes, whether yes. they fall under one of those categories. So right. I think the thing that we all wonder, uh, for those of us who already have the two vaccine doses and, and more of those of, of our Virginia residents get that, help us understand what our new behavior should be. Do we need to continue wearing masks to practice social distancing? Are we still at risk of infecting those who don't uh, have the two vaccine doses yet? Explain what we need to do in this new new arena or new era. Okay. Um, once you've uh, been uh, vaccinated and completed both uh, doses, then uh, you aren't um, protected from getting COVID-19. That's very clear from the clinical trials. However, until that is the case for the majority of uh, adults in uh, the Commonwealth, that will be in a situation where there are still people who, uh, you know, the majority of us have not gotten COVID-19. So if you uh, aren't uh, vaccinated against COVID-19, you're still uh, susceptible to being uh, getting the virus and getting the disease. Uh, in order for uh, that virus not to have a home in Virginia, we need to uh, get 70% um, or plus of the people in the uh, Commonwealth uh, vaccinated, reaching that so-called herd uh, immunity, where there's just not a place for the virus to, uh, to find enough of, there's not enough people to infect for it to really uh, spread. Um, so uh, I say all that because until we get that herd uh, immunity, it's going to be important for all of us to continue wearing our masks, um, washing our hands, and watching our distance from one another. Um, People who are vaccinated, it's not uh, known whether or not we can um, uh, be carriers of the virus, even though we ourselves don't get infected, but we might be able to uh, spread that virus to others who aren't vaccinated. So until we get herd immunity, I would suggest everyone keep um, wearing masks, watching the distance and washing their hands often. Would you also tell us that it would be a little safer maybe to have a dinner in a restaurant with friends who've also been vaccinated? Because I'm talking about something inside a building, you know, because they also talk, often talk about the ventilation and how that can be a factor. What would you tell us? I, I think uh, you should limit indoor uh, gatherings uh, and that's still the re uh, both the recommendation of the CDC and it's also something that the uh, governor has uh, ordered through um, executive orders and limiting uh, occupancy in those uh, indoor uh, settings. Uh, those settings have really been shown to be the place where um, we see the most spread of the virus. So for the time being it's better to just uh, stay at home and uh, or at least limit how how often we go out someplace um, in public. Is that what you're saying? That's that's what I'm saying, yes. Okay. Well, 
We're just about out of time. So tell us one more time, what are the best resources to receive new system updates and, and in general, find out uh, what we need to know? I think the best place to go is the uh, Virginia Department of Health website. Uh, that's vdh.virginia, spelled out, dot gov. Uh, there's lots of information there, frequently asked questions and uh, lots of data and uh, around the key measures of the pandemic. You can see how that's going and uh, across the state and in your own locality uh, and information about the vaccination campaign, the phases, who qualifies for what phases. Um, there's a uh, locator uh, on the website where you can locate the, your local uh, health department and uh, be able to check with them on their plans for vaccinating in your local area. Um, you can also visit uh, vaccinate.virginia.gov, which is a site that uh, allows you to get into the uh, pre-registration system. And then, as I said, that um, will put you on the list of people who wish to be uh, vaccinated. And um, that list will uh, be utilized by our Virginia um, COVID Information Center, our contact center. Um, we'll uh, reach out to people uh, to let you know that you're still on the list. And when um, scheduling uh, becomes available, we'll let you know how to go about scheduling uh, an appointment. And the way to reach that um, call center is to uh, dial 1877-VAX, that's V-A-X, uh, 1877 VAX in Virginia. That's just VA. And the um, numbers for those of you who want the numerals is 877-829-4682. The call center is open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. And there are plenty of uh, agents there uh, willing to help you. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Oliver, for all of this wonderful information and helpful information. We really appreciate you giving us uh, some time this morning to, uh, add, to, to do this interview. So we're going to take a short break right now for an important message. And you are listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. We'll be right back. Aging Matters is sponsored in part by the Aging Life Care Association, an organization of aging life care professionals. Aging life care professionals offer guidance, advocacy, and support for older adults and their families in order to maximize quality of life. An aging life care professional can be there for your loved one when you can't be. More information about the Aging Life Care Association is available at www.midatlanticalca.org. Welcome back. We are going to talk with Dr. Yabo Baisalo who is going to discuss other vaccines older adults need to avoid health complications and stay healthy as they age. We just heard about the new uh, system in the Commonwealth of Virginia that's focused on COVID. And now we're going to talk with Dr. Yabo Baisalo. And so welcome, Dr. Baisalo, and thanks for being here. Thank you, Cheryl. It's a pleasure. All right. Well, what we want to hear from you is what vaccines are recommended for adults over age 60. I mean, there's been so much focus on the COVID vaccine. I think we tend to forget that there are other uh, vaccines we should be thinking about. So what would you tell us? 
That is absolutely correct, Cheryl. There are definitely other vaccines, particularly recommended for adults over the age of 60. These include the pneumococcal vaccine that protects against pneumonia, the flu vaccine that we get every year, the shingles vaccine, and then a vaccine called Tdap. It protects against tetanus and whooping cough. And then, of course, as you alluded to, the COVID-19 vaccines. And help us understand why it's especially important for older adults who are living in assisted living or more, uh, I don't know, I guess they still call them retirement facilities, uh, but at any rate, more populated care settings. Why, why do they definitely uh, or especially need to receive vaccinations? The reason for this, Cheryl, um, the reason that older adults living in assisted living or more populated care settings um, so vital that they get vaccinations is because of the risk of exposure to communicable diseases like the flu, COVID-19, germs that can cause pneumonia. That risk is higher in more populated areas. Um, the germs we mentioned, such as the flu virus, whooping cough, pneumococcal bacteria, they can be spread through what we call respiratory droplets. That means that when we sneeze or cough, they can spread to others that way. And then sometimes those droplets land on surfaces that others may then touch and get infected. So when you're in a more crowded environment, that risk is more that you could contract one of these contagious illnesses. And of course, as we get older, there's lots of different health conditions that older adults have. Is, is it pretty much across the board that all older adults should get vaccines regardless of what their health conditions are, or might there be some uh, uh, situations, diseases that maybe would prevent um, an older adult from receiving some vaccines or other vaccines? What would you tell us? Because obviously there's a lot of different situations for older adults. Absolutely right. Again, Cheryl. Um, and as a general rule, older adults should receive vaccination regardless of health status. Now, let's look at what that means. Um, there are some health conditions that are sometimes seen more often in older adults. And this is one of the reasons why vaccines are so important in this age group. People with health conditions, say, like asthma, heart disease, lung disease, kidney disease, they're more likely to suffer severe complications from diseases such as the flu or pneumonia. And people with these conditions are more likely to be hospitalized or die from these illnesses. That is why vaccines are so important. Um, part of this is the, as we age, the immune system declines in its ability to fight off infections. So if you also have a high-risk medical condition, for example, a heart condition, it can worsen if you catch an infection like the flu. And your diabetes or asthma may also spiral out of control. Um, you mentioned are there some conditions where someone should not receive the vaccine? Well, this is where you need to speak with your physician. Um, sometimes your immune system may not respond as well to a vaccine, meaning the vaccine may not give you as much protection because your immune system is not able to mount a good response. And this can be seen if someone is immunocompromised or taking medications that suppress their immune system. So it's always best to talk to your physician in these circumstances and ask, um, in addition to taking the vaccine, what other precautions do I need to take because I'm immunosuppressed? And you mentioned about medications and that might uh, affect the, uh, the immune system. Might there be other um, medications, this is kind of a part two of this question, that 
that also would um, uh, prevent people or discourage people from uh, getting a particular vaccine, any a special uh, medication? What would you tell us? Um, no, in general, I'm no special medication. Again, it's always a individual case by case basis. So speak with your physician just to see um, one, are you going to hopefully mount a very good immune response um, to the vaccines and that you will be protected? Do you need to take extra precautions? So that would definitely be the general rule to speak with your provider. Okay. Well, you had mentioned four, uh, especially, so I want to kind of four of the vaccines that are really important for older adults. So let's start with the very famous flu shot that used to be much more uh, in the news now as opposed to now when it's the, the, uh, the other, the coronavirus vaccine. But we want to learn more about flu shots, why they're recommended for older adults, um, when should they get one? Because people are kind of all over the map and how long is it effective? Give us kind of a tutorial about flu shots. What what do we need to know? Yes, um, flu shots that we know are, are vital and should be received every year, every season. Um, the flu can be very serious. And as we age, um, we mentioned our immune system may decline in its ability to fight off infections like the flu. The flu, for example, in someone who's 40 years old may look very different than in someone who's 80. Um, a 40-year-old might be in bed for a few days nursing the flu and bounce right back, whereas someone older is more likely to experience more serious symptoms and complications, including pneumonia or blood infection. This could lead to hospitalization and in unfortunate circumstances can even be a cause for death. Um, so it's highly recommended that you get a flu vaccine once a year during the flu season. It takes about two weeks to become effective. So the earlier in the season, the better. There are some mild expected side effects from the flu vaccine. That just lets us know that your immune system is working. These can include a sore arm, headache, fatigue. They are very mild and they last for a day or two. Um, one of the reasons why we recommend the flu vaccine every year is because Flu viruses tend to mutate. They change every year. And so a new flu vaccine is produced every year in order to protect against the three to four strains that scientists recognize may be the predominant strains that year. So that is why it's so important to get a flu vaccine every year. And I'm curious, last fall, I know there was a big discussion about of course, we were all waiting for the coronavirus vaccine, but there was a real push to get the flu shots. Since you're the expert here on all kinds of vaccines, was there any danger or would there be any danger in the future if we have to continue to get the, the, the coronavirus vaccine that there's any conflict between the coronavirus vaccine and, and flu shots? Explain a little bit more about if that might be a problem? Great question, Cheryl. So actually we recommend both vaccines, but not on the same day. So CDC currently recommends um, a two week spacing um, between the two vaccines. And that is in either direction. And that is because we're just, the COVID-19 vaccines are new and we're just learning about these vaccines and how they may interact or not interact with other vaccines. So the recommendation now is to space both out um, by two weeks. And that applies to all other vaccines, not only flu vaccine. 
And I suspect that as in the future, we may still be facing this kind of a situation of maybe getting the flu shot and maybe future coronavirus vaccines as well. Do you agree? What what would you tell us about that? Yes, that is what experts are um, saying now. Um, Of course, we can completely predict the future, but there is um, a possibility that moving forward, um, year to year, we will probably have to get um, both vaccines guess it's, it never ends, right? <laughs> right, right. So the next one that you talked about are sh- is the shingles, the shingles vaccine. Again, some people may not know what shingles is. So let's start there. What What is shingles? And then talk about why the shingles vaccine is recommended for older adults and how many doses and and especially, I think a part of this would be if somebody already had shingles, um, would they need to get the vaccine? So we need to learn more about shingles. Of course. Well, shingles is a very painful um, disease. It's caused by a virus. Um, it usually shows up as a rash on one side of the body. The pain in the area around the rash can be very disabling. It can appear as a sharp shooting or burning pain. And the rash can look like blisters. We have to remember that a few people may not actually have a rash, but just the pain. And shingles is caused by actually the same virus that causes chickenpox. What happens is if you've had the chickenpox, the virus remains inactive. It stays dormant in your nerve tissue. And with the possibility for it to reactivate as shingles, usually later on in life. That is why we see shingles more common in older adults. And Luckily, we do have a vaccine that is recommended to help prevent older adults from getting shingles. Um, The vaccine is called Shingrix. It is recommended for healthy adults, 50 years of age and older. It is given in two doses with a two to six month interval between the doses. And Cheryl, you mentioned what if you've already had shingles, should you still get the vaccine? And yes, we do recommend that. For most people, Um, You may only have shingles once in your lifetime. However, it can be recurrent, meaning that you can get it more than once. So it is recommended that you still get the shingles vaccine, even if you've had the disease before. It is recommended, however, that all your symptoms from the disease have resolved, meaning that the rash is gone, that you're completely well, if you recently had the disease before getting the shingles vaccine. I wanted to also ask you, I, I remember when I got the first shingles uh, vaccine, the first dose, I had some incredible side effects. And I was wondering if that was normal or what do you see? Uh, is that side effects um, likely to happen more with the first dose and the second dose? Um, help us on that. Sure. With any vaccine, um, including the shingles vaccine, you may see some side effects. Um, These may be um, fever, um, chills, or what we call fatigue that may occur in a day or two after the vaccine, and it can occur after either dose. And this is usually a sign that your immune system is actually working. It recognizes that something foreign has entered its body and is trying to basically protect your body. Um, by mounting an immune response. And these are the symptoms of that immune response. So yes, those um, side effects can happen after either dose. The third one that you talked about is the pneumococcal or the pneumonia vaccine. So 
help us understand, is the pneumococcal disease, is that what we always sort of know as pneumonia, or is it something different? Um, and why is that particular vaccine, how many doses do we need? Uh, do we get need to get them again? Um, uh, what do we need to know about that? Yes, the vaccine um, in question, um, there are two of them, and they protect against pneumococcal disease. This is an infection that's caused by a bacteria. Um, the scientific name is strep pneumonia or pneumococcus. And in children, for example, infections with this germ could lead to an ear or sinus infection. In older adults, however, it can lead to serious infections such as pneumonia or blood infections more commonly. And um, so pneumonia, as we know, can be a very serious illness um, the older we get. And so the two vaccines recommended now to help reduce this risk, one is the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, the other is the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine. Now, the names sound familiar, but they are two different vaccines. They both recommended for people 65 years of age and older. They are recommended to be given a year apart from one another. And so these two vaccines basically expand the protection against different bacteria that can cause pneumonia. And we've seen dramatic decreases in the rates of some types of pneumonia with both vaccines. And so you said they should be given a year apart, did you say? Yeah. So you would get the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine first when you turn 65, and then a year later get the pneumococcal polysaccharide vaccine. And you can get them later on as well. Yeah, because I was just wondering, how long are they effective? Do you have to go back in a few years and get this this uh, again, or what? What would people need to know? No, they are effective, and those um, doses there, unless you are in a situation where you have um, increased ongoing um, conditions. But those two doses, one with the conjugate, and a year later, one the polysaccharide, um, will provide protection. Okay, so once you have these two, then you're good. Yes. Okay, all right. Just wanted to make sure there's so many things to remember that uh, I just wanted to be sure that people understood. You also talked about the tetanus, and we tend to think about the tetanus as something that we get if we manage, we stepped on a rusty nail or something. So help us understand a little bit more about the, the tetanus vaccine. When should it be given? How often? Um what do we need to know? Again, some very good questions, right? And we often associate tetanus with stepping on a dirty nail. However, that is not the only way to get tetanus. Um, tetanus is actually caused by bacteria that is found in the soil, like in dust or manure. Um, it doesn't spread from person to person like other diseases, like we've discussed, um, but rather it enters the body through breaks in the skin, most often after a cut or a puncture from a contaminated object. So you could also get the bacteria from something as simple as gardening or getting a cut or a scrape and then soil or dirt contaminating that wound. Um, this disease is pretty serious. It can lead to sudden muscle spasms, stiffness all over the body, trouble swallowing, even seizures within days after being infected. And most of us remember getting vaccinated for tetanus at some point in our childhood, but we tend to forget that a booster is recommended every 10 years. So you should receive a booster vaccine of either TB or Tdap vaccine, which I'll talk about in a little bit, to fulfill your recommended 10-year booster. So very important that you keep tabs on um, whether you've received your 10-year booster or not. And I know I've talked a lot about the different vaccines, 
Um, if I've you know, miss something, you can also visit website at www.vaccinate.virginia.gov to receive more information about the vaccines. That's really helpful. And I think the other thing is, is that, and I would assume that you would recommend this as well, Dr. Basilo, and, and that's the need to write all of this down and keep a record. Correct. With our primary care doc and our our are just to make sure that we know when we got all these various uh, vaccines. Yes, exactly. And then the other part of the tetanus, does it come together? There's some uh, a vaccine in terms of pertussis? That is absolutely correct. Um, it's um, a combination vaccine called Tdap, and that protects you against both tetanus and pertussis, or we more commonly refer to it as whooping cough. Okay, and... How, and so the the same um, regimen would be applicable that you get them together and, and, and repeat for, just so that I understand as well, how often we need to get that. A 10-year booster with the Tdap vaccine um, is recommended. You can also receive a 10-year booster with the TD vaccine, but either vaccine is recommended for that 10-year booster. The benefit of getting the Tdap is you're also getting protection against whooping cough. And um, whooping cough is caused by a bacteria that can be deadly for more vulnerable populations, such as infants, young children, and older adults. It can present as those uncontrollable fits of violent coughing that can lead to vomiting and leave one exhausted. It can last for several weeks and is also highly contagious. So we have this vaccine available. It's also recommended if you as a parent or grandparent are going to be around an infant um, and have a lot of contact with that infant. It's best to get this vaccine before the baby is born into the family. Um, because you remember this disease is very contagious and whooping cough can be extremely serious in infants who are not vaccinated. So you're protecting yourself. And also if you plan to be around a family member who's having a baby and you plan to be in close contact, it's recommended that you receive that vaccine as well. That's such good information. You tend to think about whooping cough as something you had when you were a kid, and you shouldn't even need to worry about it as an adult, never mind an older adult, but it is something that can affect us throughout our lives. So um, um, I, I didn't know that. Um, I want to move into the coronavirus now, unless you had any other recommendations, uh, or those are the primary four vaccines that you would recommend, the, the, the flu, the shingles, the pneumococcal, and then the combination of tetanus uh, pertussis. That is correct. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. So in the remaining time, just wanted to get your reaction about the coronavirus. And for you, I wanted to ask the question about the type of masks uh, that to help us to stay safe from the coronavirus, because some of us are not yet... Um, uh, vaccinated. So talk a little bit more about the type of mask and and maybe even give us some advice as to about the new approach on double masking and, and where we can learn about how to wear our mask properly. I'm so glad you um, brought that up, Cheryl. Yes, we know now that one of the best ways to stay safe from the coronavirus is by wearing a mask. Um, masks do protect yourself and others. And studies have shown that wearing a mask can significantly reduce the spread of COVID-19. So what should you look for when you're selecting a mask? 
Make sure that, of course, it fits your face. It fits snugly but comfortably against the side of your face, completely covering your nose and mouth. It's best to have masks of multiple, more than two layers of fabric. Um, you can secure them with ties or ear loops and a nose wire that you can push against the bridge of your nose to form a better fit is also um, recommended. And one of the ways to make sure your mask fits better and provide that extra protection, especially if you at increased risk of severe illness from COVID, is to wear two masks, and that's where the double masking comes in. And there are some specific recommendations. The most widely recommended is a disposable mask that goes underneath and a cloth mask on top. Another way to get this extra protection is by something called a knot and tuck ear loop while you're wearing a three-ply mask. And there's a video on the virginia.gov website, vdh.virginia.gov website, that walks you through how to do this knot and tuck. We do want to caution you um, about double masking. Please be careful. You should not wear two disposable masks together to create a double mask. The disposable masks do not provide a good fit um, by themselves, and doubling it up will still not improve that fit. Also, if you're happening to wear a KN95 or N95 mask, you should wear that alone and not with other masks. So those are the recommendations there about masking and double masking. And I would assume that you would recommend the same, and Dr. Oliver mentioned this a little bit, that we need to continue to wash our hands and um, stay social distanced. Um, would you agree? Definitely. Continue to social distance, um, wear your mask, wash your hands. Um, and this also applies to whether you've been vaccinated or not. So even after vaccination, we still recommend these practices. And I wanted to ask you a little bit more about now, um, if somebody has already received both doses, and uh, is that enough to protect uh, older adults uh, from uh, getting the coronavirus? And I'd like to hear your views about the, the, the variants. Do we need to worry about that? And then also, uh, where can we actually go uh, can we go inside? Should we stay inside? Uh, or not stay, but could we go have dinner with friends in a restaurant? Uh, what would you tell us? Those are some excellent questions. What we do know is that the two COVID-19 vaccines that are currently approved in the U.S., the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, they provide over 90% protection, even for older adults. Um, this was found in clinical trials in preventing COVID-19 disease and older adults were represented in these clinical trials. So we know that they provide good protection. Now we are seeing multiple viral strains or variants circulating in the US and around the world. Um, viruses constantly change by mutating. That is how they spread and survive. And the coronavirus can mutate by changing those spikes on the surface of the virus called the spike proteins. Sometimes new variants emerge and then they disappear. Sometimes they persist. And there are three main ones, one from the UK, South Africa, and Brazil that are concerning right now. One thing we know is that scientists are monitoring these changes for three things. One, to see how the strain spread. Secondly, what happens when someone's infected with the new strain. And then lastly, to answer your question, 
whether the current vaccines we have available will work against these new strains. And we're hearing, you know, different information, but I think it'd be cautious to wait on that final answer. And while we're waiting to see how effectively the vaccines will protect us against the newer strains, even after receiving your two doses of a COVID-19 vaccine, we recommend that you remain vigilant. You still wear your mask, you practice social distancing, you wash your hands frequently, and you follow the recommendations of your state as far as um, going out and so forth. But really, you still need to remain vigilant. I guess that's probably going to be the case for a, a, a long time. Would you agree? Yes. Unfortunately, I think, um, you know, you've listened to what you've heard on the news. Um, and some are saying closer to the end of this year, 2021, um, before we can be a little bit more comfortable. I agree. Well, final question, Dr. Baisalo, where can older adults learn about all recommended vaccinations and any other resources that you've found there? You've mentioned some already, but just want to make sure that um, our listeners understand best places to look. Sure. For those with access to the internet, the best sources for up-to-date information are the Virginia Department of Health website at vaccinate.virginia.gov. Or you can also call and talk to someone by calling 877-VAX, V-A-X-N-I-N-V-A, or 877-829-4682 for additional information. I spoke about a lot of vaccines today, the pneumococcal vaccine, flu vaccine, shingles vaccine, Tdap vaccine for protection against tetanus and whooping cough as well as the COVID-19 vaccine. So that's your best source of accurate information. Okay. Well, I want to thank Dr. Yabo Baisalo for joining me today. And in the event that you want to learn more about Aging Matters, check out the website. It's www.agingmattersonline.com. And if you go to the site, you'll get information about all Aging Matters radio and TV show content. And you'll also be able to access the Aging Matters podcast on Apple and Spotify. Just go to the main page and scroll down to the bottom and you'll find the sites that you can uh, uh, access these podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Aging Matters monthly email newsletter. And in that way, you will receive updates about new radio shows as well as TV episodes. Aging Matters is produced in association with Ink Mouth Media, you can learn about more about this company at inkmouthmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Aging Matters today. And remember, age is just a number, not a label. I'll be back again with you next week. Aging Matters on WERA is brought to you in part by Synergy Home Care. Synergy Home Care provides premier in-home care for you or your loved one throughout Northern Virginia, including personal care, homemaker services, companion and memory care, and transportation. Call 703-558-3435 or visit SynergyHomeCare.com for more information. Synergy Home Care will find a care solution to meet your needs.